Hey guys, welcome to Designers Getting Coffee. Today we're gonna to talk about selling. That is one of those words that I think can bring up some kind of icky feels in all of us. But Kate and I are gonna chat with you today about how to sell without the sleaze. It is not what it used to look like to sell. And if you wanna be in business and make money, you have to sell. If you don't, you have a hobby and good for you. But I don't know about you, I wanna make profit, I wanna have a sustainable business, and it's essential to know how to sell your services. So we're gonna dive in today talking about mostly our consultation phone calls, what those look like, and how to get a client from a prospect to a paying customer. Come join us. Today's episode is brought to you by the Interior Design Business Kickstart Kit. If you're thinking about starting a business or have just launched, let me help you kickstart things to make major progress in a short time. The Interior Design Business Kickstart Kit is six months of intensive one-on-one -on -one coaching with yours truly, plus all the business documents you're gonna need to crush it behind the scenes and launch your business like a boss. Book a complimentary call with me to learn more at lesliemeyerick.com coaching. And now this is episode 18, Selling Without the Sleeves. Hey, I'm Kate Bendewald. And I'm Leslie Myrick. We're interior designers who've been meeting every Friday for coffee to discuss the ins and outs, ups and downs of running our design business and decided to hit the record button. We are designers getting coffee with each other and now you. While some might choose to guard the hard-earned secrets of their design success, we've chosen to support, encourage, and empower one another to be the most kick-ass business owners possible. Welcome to the Designers Getting Coffee podcast, real talk about running your design business with head and heart. Come join the conversation. Good morning. Good morning, Kate. How are you doing this Friday? <laughs> hey, I'm all right. Just all right? Is it because we're talking yeah. about something like selling today? <laughs> no, I love talking about this. No, actually, I'm great. It's been a very long, productive, exciting week. I actually just hired my first employee, like it's like real employee, not contracted employee. So that feels like I, I was didn't wearing... know she was a real live employee. I assumed it was a contractor I... gig. I feel like I'm put on some big girl panties this week. <laughs> <laughs> you ah! did. That's big. That's big news. Yeah. I know, I know. So it's exciting. I, um, it, it's gonna be good. So yeah, how are you? I'm not as busy and thriving as you. I have more questions. Is she full time? Yes. Ooh, this is big. Okay, I'm sure we'll get to all of this in future episodes, but I'm doing good. Yeah, no, actually, we do have a, you guys, we do have an episode planned. I don't know the exact number coming up, but we are going to talk about when is the right time to hire and, um. I will have a lot more to say about this uh, in that episode than I would have if we'd recorded this six months I ago. am extra so. excited about this future episode now because I was literally writing out episode descriptions for this whole season today. And for that episode, I wrote, spoiler alert, we recommend hiring independent contractors. Apparently we don't. So now I'm really intrigued <laughs> to dive into that more, but I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Today, sure. this is a topic that I'm excited to learn a lot from Kate from because she has worked with a coach that specifically trained people on sales. And I think, Kate, you are a genius at selling without the sleaze. And I'm really excited to hear what you have to bring to this conversation. I have a few things that I do to help with the sales process, but basically uh, you're a boss and go teach me, teach all of us. Ah, well, that's very generous. Um, thank you. You know, when I started running my own business, I did not realize how much sales was involved. And I very quickly learned that some elements of sale selling is involved throughout the entire design process, as well as the actual onboarding and actually getting the clients. So um, I think if you can really nail this down, then that episode about hiring is going to come in handy for you really fast yes. because you're, you're going to, you're going to grow. You have to know how to sell if you want to run a business instead of have be a hobby designer. It's essential. And, you know, it's not really something that they teach you in school, um, design school or anywhere else. It's just, there are some people who do it naturally. And so the coach that I worked with is Kendrick Shope. I've talked about her before. Um, she, I remember her saying that, so she was a, a pharmaceutical sales representative and her boss told her, she's like, girl, 
I don't know what it is about you or what you do, but if I could bottle and sell whatever it is you have, (laughs) I'd be a millionaire. And that was a light bulb moment for her where she realized she really does have a gift of selling. Um, and it's her program is called authentic selling. Um, I'd highly recommend her. She's great. Um, but, um, she realized that she had the ability to, to teach others. And I think she probably has a lot of creative clients, um, where she teaches them how to sell, because I think a lot of interior designers are pretty touchy feely people. And we, um, we just want to help people, you know, and we're creatives and, and the business side of things can feel, um, a little bit out of reach for us or not out of reach. That's not the right word. Um, it, maybe it's not intuitive. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, the thing that I was struggling with was, you know, I would get on the phone with a potential client and I didn't know what to say and I would just muck it up and I would talk forever. And it was so terrible. In fact, when I worked with her one-on-one, I ended up asking her, I'm like, could I record one of my conversations with a potential client and have you listen to it and just dissect it? Oh my gosh. I had no idea what I was in for. She ripped me a new one. It was bad. It was so bad. I think I actually have that recording still to this day. I won't listen to it, but, um, that could be something that you actually try doing is recording a sales call and going back and listening to it. So you can see what it is that you're saying. And I I just wanted to come across as more, um, I needed to get my ish together. I needed to have a clear call to action. I needed to have, um, just a way of conducting that initial call. There's a lot more sailing, selling, (laughs) um, than just that initial, initial phone call, but that's such an important piece. And if you can get that right, then you can usually get your foot at the door and, and go from there. But, um, yeah, so that's why I hired her. I was, um, I had no idea, uh, how to run those calls. So no, and I think there's, there's kind of a preconceived notion or a myth that if you have to quote, sell yourself, you're doing something wrong. Like people should just be banging down your door to work with you. You should not have to sell. And that is entirely untrue. Everybody needs to know how to sell, but it doesn't have to be in the way you might think of selling. You know, it's not knocking on the doors, opening a briefcase, trying to peddle your little wares to people in your neighborhood. I was like, I feel like there's very much this Mary Kay um, feel to it. No, not knocking Mary Kay. If anybody out there is selling Mary Kay, that's not what this is about. But they're like a traditional example of like sales. I think there tends to be like a pushiness people anticipate Mm -hmm. with selling. And that's not really what selling is. Selling is offering what you are good at and enthusiastic at to people who need it. Right. If you can replace the word selling with helping, you're helping other people. They have a problem. They came to you and you have a solution. And all you're doing is you're telling them how you can help them. Yeah. And there's, you know, you could also use the word influence. You're influencing them to do something as well. But um, yeah, sales has a, the word sales has a very icky connotation. Um, people don't like to be considered salespeople, but you absolutely have to be comfortable with it. Um, and do it in a way though, that is authentic to you. So, um, Kendrick uses this cancer metaphor. She's like, lady, if you had a cure for cancer, would you be afraid to sell that to someone if you could save somebody's life? Like, Hell no, you're going to be shouting it from the rooftops. I can help you. I can help you. This is how. And um, and her pharmaceutical background is why she used that specific (laughs) example, because she she was talking about uh, pharmaceutical drugs. But um, yeah, when you can stop thinking about it as trying to push something onto somebody that they don't need, then and think about it as you're helping somebody that's come to you for help, then it's a little, it's a little mental switch. That's a huge Um, perspective shift. I think is that what you are offering to people is something they need. They, they have come to you. They have found you somehow. They want your help. They want what you have. 
you know, you have their, their cancer cure for lack of a better way of putting that. But yeah, I think we get this idea of selling as forcing something on people that don't want it. And I mean, that's not Mm -hmm. cool. That's not going to work, but there's a new way to reframe this and approach it. And it really is helping influencing. I love those terms. And I think that's a really good mental shift for us as we think about selling to people. Right. And everybody's going to have um, a different, uh, we call them guardrails. Uh, so somebody who is very natural at selling, they're enthusiastic about it. They're not uncomfortable with it. They're going to have very wide guardrails um, in terms of like how, for lack of a better word, pushy they're willing to be. Um, where other people, and I fall more into this uh, ranges has a more narrow guardrail. Like I'm going to share with you very enthusiastically how I can help you and why this is a good investment for you. And imagine doing it on your own and I can save you time, money and mistakes very enthusiastically. Um, but I, there are some people who are willing to do follow up upon follow up upon follow up upon follow up. And I have a, a, I have a limit to that. Um, but, and I want to talk in a second about your way, because we're going to talk about follow-ups a little bit more here in a minute, but you have a really interesting way of doing follow-ups that I, I find intriguing. Mm-hmm. So speaking of guardrails, you just have to figure out where your guardrail is and what you're comfortable with and just be in that zone. And then as you get more comfortable with it and you gain more confidence, your guardrail kind of widens a little bit for sure. Um, but um, I mean... Let's just go ahead and dive in. Well, first, if I want to talk about it in a couple of ways. I want to talk about it in uh, selling is going to happen not only on your website, which is a really big part. And we talked a lot about this in a couple of episodes again ago where we talked about is your website turning away people. Yes. Um, so go back and listen to that if you haven't. But um, your website is a sales mechanism. It's your first. It's like your storefront. <laughs> um, so that needs to be really on point. Your phone consultations, I want to talk about that today because, um, again, that's their first chance to get on the phone with you and you really only have a few minutes to really make an impression. Um, your your in-person consultations are very important as well. Um, but let's not forget when you're giving a design presentation to a client and you're showing them $100,000 worth of furnishings, girl, you got to have your sales hat on or you're not going to get those approvals that you need. Um, so selling is something that is going to happen throughout the lifetime of a project. So I kind of want to talk today in the phases, you know, yeah. so starting with the website, sorry, did I didn't want to interrupt so you. What I, was gonna say I mean, was, I, I just want to make sure that we're framing today's conversation as these are people that are already interested in buying from you. We're not talking marketing. We're not talking trying to reach brand new people. This is, you know, someone already has an interest. They've seen your website. They've booked a consultation phone call with you. And this is really how to move forward with them through the process when they are already expressing an interest in working with you and your company. Yeah. Thank you for that distinction. Because we do talk, talk, we've talked a lot this season about um, like networking Mm -hmm. and that is a type of selling, um, but that's not what we're talking about specifically today. Um, We won't talk a whole lot about the website because we really covered that a few episodes ago, but um, just a couple of things to keep in mind. Um, Your first page needs to have head nodding copy, meaning it needs to have language in there that is going to address your client's pain points that they're going to read that and start like actually nodding their head and thinking to themselves, yes, she knows what I need. She's got this. I need to talk to her. Um, secondly, you always want to make sure that your language is putting the client first. Um, this is not, this is not about me. This is not the Kate show. This is about you and imagining, you know, what your home can feel like, um, when all is said and done. And the other thing that I think is super important is having one clear call to action. I think too many calls to action can be confusing and can just raise the barrier of entry for, for potential clients. So that's my main spiel uh, about websites. 
Um, Let me dive in with something quick I heard this week about websites. I think it's really relevant. So I have started a coaching program with Toby Fairley, who's awesome. She's a very established designer. I love learning from her. She also has a great podcast. But one thing that she has been talking about with online marketing and sales is that a lot of designers are not using their websites as sales tools. They're treating their websites like coffee table books. And if all you have on your website is pretty pictures of the work you've done, (laughs) you know, beautiful full bleed images, it's all about you and your work and you want it to be something visual and pretty, that's not going to sell crap. So I think this, it's an older model of website. It is okay. In fact, it's essential that your website is a sales tool. Of course, it's going to be beautiful. Of course, it's going to show off you and your work, but it's coming at it from the client's perspective and what you can do for them. It's not Mm -hmm. a coffee table book of all your pretty stuff just sitting there and people are like, that's nice. I'm going to stick my mug on top of this now. Right. I love that metaphor. That's so good. I, of course, I'm the one The like, that's eye candy for me. I go to designers' websites all the time and I see that. I'm just like, oh, our website's so good. I do the same thing. And I'm like, so is mine too salesy? <laughs> Do I have too many buttons and colors? <laughs> hey, look, I got a mortgage. I have two kids. Like, Preach it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, I love that idea. You oh, want to make sure yeah. your website Thanks is for selling sharing. for you. It is not a coffee table book. Yeah, that's great. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, so let's talk about phone consultations because as I mentioned a minute ago, this was my real pain point. This was the the trigger for me that said like, okay, I have no idea what I'm doing. I never considered this being a big part of the job, but I am royally screwing this up. I'm in the same <laughs> boat. I, I didn't even think of it as a sales opportunity. I didn't have a script for a long time. It was sort of just like, hey, how are you doing? Okay, so tell me about your stuff. Like, there was no... There was no intentionality with my phone calls for a long time <laughs> yeah. until I realized there needed to be. And then it was just like, well, duh, Leslie, of course, this is a sales moment. You need to be guiding them and getting the info you need from them. Anyway, you dive into that because you've got great tips on this. But if you're not using your phone consult as par- the first part of your sales process, and it really is just a casual phone call, it can still be warm and casual and inviting, but there's a way to do it that's going to start to get people walking through your process and help close the sale to your first paid session. So how do you do your phone consults? Well, you were talking there. I just had this idea. I was like, oh my gosh, if I could find that file, that audio file and share it, maybe bleep out the person's name. Um, I, I'm not too proud to share that because You're brave. It, it I really wouldn't bad. share mine. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know. That could come back to backfire me, backfire on me, but um, yeah, so the way that I structure my, my consult, my phone calls really starts with asking the potential client to talk first. There's a psychological reason for that. And um, when they're getting on the phone with you, they're in their minds already thinking they're getting ready to get sold. To yes. And they can't be in that frame of mind at the same time while talking. It's it's biologically, it's psychologically impossible. And so if you can kind of diffuse that and disarm them by, you know, just a very quick greeting. Um, thank you so much for hopping on the phone with me today. I'm excited to hear more about what's going on. Tell me, why did you decide to reach out to me? And then shut up. <laughs> hardest part not to fill blank space shut the you know what up i would ramble and just talk oh yeah. my god it was so bad so anyway just shut up is like <laughs> you get nothing out of this again like, this is this might be a you know consultation call it's not about you designer this really is about them and letting them share and feel heard and feel understood and connected with Exactly. Be interested exactly. in them. Don't try to be interesting and ramble on about yeah. your achievements and your projects and your process. Not the time. No. You let your website do that. Yeah. This is a time for you to understand that. So the biggest thing is to make sure you give them a chance to start talking and just let them talk. Insert occasional, you know, listen actively. Let them know you're there and you're listening. Um, when they are done sharing, um, 
And I will tell you that you may occasionally, and I've had this happen before, um, and it particularly happens when there's a couple on the phone and there's a, a man as well. Um, the guys are more inclined to do this, but they'll start in just asking me a ton, ton of questions, interview style. I would encourage you to diffuse that at, and tell them, say, I'm going to get to that. But first, I want to hear a little bit about what's going on in your on your project and, and where are you? I love that you um, take control like that and don't let a, a pushy man client drive. And I, I know we're generalizing <laughs> here, but yeah, I agree. In my experience too, it is often the, if it's a couple and it is a heterosexual couple, it is often the male counterpart that comes in with more of that sort of wanting to drive and lead things. And I get it. They are interviewing Absolutely. me and that's totally fine, but I'm hosting this phone call Bingo. and I need to hear from them first. And there will be a lot, I'm going to share all of that with you in just a minute. But before I do, I, I'd really love to hear more about what's going on in, in, in your lives and, and why you chose to reach out to me. Have, make sure they're answering that first. When they are done talking, full stop, the very first words out of your mouth need to be this. Thank you. I understand. If you say anything else, you are royally screwing things up. <laughs> they want to be heard. They want to be understood. So it can go, you can say, thank you for sharing that with me. Hold on, let me pause for a second. When they are talking, um, I actually have a worksheet that I have printed out so that when I have a phone call, I take notes on this particular uh uh, page and there's a section on there called pain points because my handwritten notes would start to be too long. And so I just have a little section for pain points and I actually write their words and I do not summarize. I do not, if they say overwhelmed, I don't write needs help. I mean, I know that I write, if she said overwhelmed, write that down. If she said too busy, if she said can't make decisions, if they said we can't agree, Write those words down so that when they are done talking and it's your turn, the first words out of your mouth need to be, thank you. I understand what it feels like to feel overwhelmed, to feel, you know, if they say frustrated, frustrated that you can't agree on, on things, but you need to repeat their words back to them. They're not actually keeping track of their very own words. They don't remember that they just said that, but they know that's their feeling, yeah. the feeling that they have. And when they hear you say that, it's like you're looking into their soul. <laughs> it's like, she gets me. She understands, you know, and hopefully you truly do understand because you're, you're, you're in this industry for a reason. Um, but you need to be able to relay that. And this is how you do it by repeating their words back to them. I love that. And then something else to consider beyond this call. Start keeping track of all those pain point words, the exact words, like you said, Kate, those are great words to throw into your social media copy, your emails, mm -hmm. website, those are speaking directly to the hearts, like you said, of the people who are interested in working <laughs> with you. So great ideas. Take notes. Let them talk first. And save those. Yeah. Okay. What's next? So, so you want to say thank you. I understand what it feels like to blah, blah, blah. This is exactly why I help homeowners like you who are struggling to make decisions, who can't really see what, uh, get overwhelmed by all of the options. I want to take you from feeling overwhelmed to, and then fill in, you know, whatever it is it might be. It might, um, you know, from being, from feeling overwhelmed to having a really clear and concise design plan in place so that you can make decisions with confidence so that you can feel like you're investing your money wisely. Cause this is a big investment you're getting ready to partake in. And I want to help you make that those choices wisely and have a lot of experience that can help you inform and help inform your decision-making. So, um, that is key to make sure that your first words are, thank you. I understand use their words, repeat them back to them, and then take them on that little imagination trail. Take them, you know, tell them how you can, you can help them. And so you, you should have, you know, key benefits that you offer over and over and over to clients, have those kind of memorized and in your vocabulary. 
And um, on your script, on your call note sheet. You don't have to start with a blank piece of paper. I have bullet points. I have some talking points so that when I'm stuck or just, you know, you kind of hit those brain fart moments, you've got mm-hmm. something just to jump back to quickly that's on brand, that's on point, and is going to get you back into that conversation in a really positive way. I'm so glad you said that. You you generated a remind, something I want to encourage people to do. when If you're just starting out at this and you know you're flubbing up your consultation phone calls, it is super helpful to write out a script or bullet points. I guarantee you it's going to be very awkward and uncomfortable the first couple of times you do it. So I encourage you to grab a buddy, um, hop on the phone and just practice and have them act as if they're a client. I did that a handful of times. We had a group partners in, in this class that I was in and I was able to kind of go through my con- my phone calls with one of these people that could help me get more comfortable saying it. Now I don't even, I don't use a script. I, I know what I need to say and, and what I want to ask. Um, but you're right. I do have it there as a lot of times there's things I want to not forget to ask or, yeah. you know, just key points yeah. I want to not forget to say. might not be quite the right word. I mean, this is not verbatim, but I do have... A, a call outline. There you go. You know? Outline. That's exactly it. Yeah. General talking yeah. points, the order I want the call to run. It gets easier yeah. too. You know, um, what I do mentor by design. That would be a great way if you need to practice a phone call with somebody. Um, I'm happy to hop on the phone call with you guys and let you kind of practice or you know, to talk about, talk through what does that phone call look and sound like um, for you. So I'm happy to help anybody that's listening that wants help with that. I love this sort of thing too. <laughs> that's awesome. um, so next, um, you know, this is a, this is a chance for you to kind of explain how you work and what you do. And, um, you know, if, if they're coming to you for a Let's say that it's a new construction and it's a new home and they need help picking out all of their finishes and fixtures throughout the home. Um, explain very quickly how that works. Um, do keep it succinct um, and just say, you know, for me, and this is, I recommend this for a lot of people, is your first offering should not be it you know, it's going to be this many hours and this is my rate or my flat fee runs between blah, 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 blah. I always encourage you to have a consultation first, an in-home consultation. Um, So you can tell them about your full service and how that works. But what I tell them is like the very first step for any project is an in-person in-home consultation. And it's two hours and I treat it as a mini design session and it's a very valuable um, session together. And when we're done, there's no obligation for us to continue working together, but you will have, you know, my, my big ideas and my suggestions. We'll type those up in notes and send them back to you. Um, uh, but usually that's a really good jumping off point to start a, a full service project. Absolutely. And so I th- that's what I sell them on first is the consultation. I think there's Um, multiple benefits to that because then you're not looking at these calls as, oh my gosh, I have to sell a six-figure project on a 20-minute phone call. Your goal goal is to sell a two-hour design package. That was such a big realization for me, me too. It makes it so much easier just being like, okay, my goal today, sell a consultation. And you know what? There are times on those calls where you will quickly see their needs do not need that. I have gone right to an e-design package before from one of those calls or, you know, there's, right. you will sort of, as you do more of these and get more comfortable with it, you'll start to smell out when the two hour consult is not the way to start nine times out of 10. That's always the best thing. It's a price point where they have a little skin in the game. You get FaceTime with them. You knock their socks off by over delivering with value and design yeah. input and resources and notes and little sketches and whatever. And then after that two hours, they're really excited for next steps. And you're not right. having – you still have to sell it, but it's not the same as trying to sell a $10,000 design package on a first phone call. You've really, exactly. you really built that equity with them. That took, that took the intimidation out of it for me when I realized that. Mm. And – and also I made the mistake of trying to 
give them all of the options that yes! I have for working together. Oh my together. gosh, me too. <laughs> you can choose from this package or this package and this package and this yeah. is this and this does this. They don't want that. They want you to tell them what to do. You need to tell them what, what, what it is that they yes. need. So, right. Um, and sometimes it's unclear, especially if you know it's going to be an in-person project. Sometimes if they don't live in the same city, like, okay, clearly this is e-design, but I've had clients call and they want, you know, they're asking for full service, but they don't have, like, they want me to pick out like a console and a paint color and help them arrange some photos or something. I mean, first of all, these are not projects that get me excited anymore. I realize that sometimes they can lead to bigger projects. Um, but I will tell them, I don't have a full service offering for that. I have designer for a day. My minimum number of hours for full service is 20 hours. And I just don't see that there's enough work there to, to warrant a full service project. So that's when I will, that's the important part of asking them to talk first is you can't really sell them on anything until you've heard yeah, really what's going sure. on. Even if you have a questionnaire on your, you know, if they're booking a call with you um, on your website, maybe you have a little questionnaire. I don't even ask them. I just put in there, like, give me a brief summary of, of what your project is about. Um, and leave it open ended. And then I get the address and name and phone number. And how did you hear about us? And that's yep, it. Me too. Um, so yeah, you don't want to, you, you want to tell them what it is that they need. Um, and if it's a full service project and it's in person, you likely don't know what that's going to look like until you do that in person consultation. But sometimes on that initial phone call, you realize like, okay, this is e-design. Okay. This is, uh, uh, more than a two hour consultation, but not full service. So I'm going to do designer for a day if that's an offering that you have. So, um, bingo. I think that's great. You, you have to kind of so, read the room and figure out what the best option yeah. is. For them. So when it comes to talking about pricing, I want to talk about um, sharing your pricing with clients on the phone. Um, cause that's really what they're calling about. <laughs> they want to know what is this going to cost yes. you? Um, after you have listened to them, after you have said, thank you, I understand. Thank you for sharing that with me. This is exactly why I blah, blah, blah. Take them through the imagine statements, talking a little bit about how you work um, and what the process looks like. Let's say you've identified, okay, this is full service. So I'm going to kind of talk about that for a minute. Um, before you talk about pricing, this is really, really important. You want to ask them if they have any questions first. And, and it, but if you just say, do you have any questions? They're going to say, yeah, what does this cost? <laughs> <laughs> you want to make sure that you're answering all of their questions before uh, other questions besides pricing. So you want to say, be more specific and say, um, before we talk about pricing, I, I want to find out, are there, have I left any questions unanswered for you? Or do you have any more questions around our process or timeline or how does this work or, or anything around that? And be specific in suggesting those kinds of questions because, um, you're going to get to the pricing thing, but if you haven't answered a really important question, you may be missing an opportunity to get them more excited. So I love that. They might not be, you know, r raising their hand asking about questions or objections, but you can kind of cut those off at the pass and get them really bought in to the package before you announce what the price is. Nailed I it. love that. Um, okay, so then you get a chance to answer their questions, and that's when it's your opportunity to talk about pricing. Um, I really share my consultation pricing on the phone. I say it's, you know, whatever price it is, it depends on where they're located um, and for how long. Um, if it's full service, I say, you know, at this at this stage, it's too. I don't have enough information to be able to give you a range that. I'm only able to do that after the consultation and I get to see the project and understand the scope better. Um, if it's, uh, I call my e-design simply design. Um, it's like a design only service. I make sure that I give them the pricing, but then I'm also repeating back all of the things that are included with that. Not just saying like it's $2,500 for a room. It's like, well, it's $2,500 and it also includes this, that, the other, and a, complimentary, you know, hour follow-up phone call that you can use at any point in the next three months to have your questions answered. Um, so if you just say the price and you don't talk about what is included with that, 
then you're missing an opportunity to reiterate what your value is. I love that. I'm literally making a note for myself right now about doing a follow-up call with eDesign. I never thought about that before. That's so good. And that just adds <laughs> to the whole package value. So they're like, well, how could I not pay her $2,500? She does the whole design. We get to talk to her about implementing it. And that's awesome. I'm super excited to talk about our eDesign services and coming up. I know. What episode that is. But yeah. It's coming um, up this season. In the next month or two. Yeah. Um, I think one of the big lies that we tell ourselves is that he or she can't afford you. Yes. That has been something that we make our money story their money story. And we may prejudge on things like their house and the, the value of their home because you probably have the address. You probably Google mapped it. Um, you may judge them on their age, um, or their occupation <laughs> and you, it's not your job to decide what they can afford. Your client's money story is none of your business. That was one of the first things my first business coach told me. And that has like just been seared in my brain because it's so easy to make assumptions and judgments and to think, what you have is too expensive. Oh, they can't afford that. They wouldn't pay that. That's not up for you to decide. If there's enough value in it for them, they'll buy it. And if the value isn't there for them, they won't. Okay, moving on. Well, yeah, or I could make the argument that you haven't done your job if you aren't sharing your well, that's value. that's what I mean. They don't, either the value isn't there for them or they're not understanding the value you bring. So that's yeah. a great point. Yeah. If there are objections... It's not necessarily, I mean, they might say price, but it's not necessarily the price. It's they don't believe in the value they're going to get for that price. Yeah. We should talk about objections and I'm going to wing it here for a second because we didn't really jam on this before we kind of outlined our, our call today, but um, overcoming objections is something you should spend some time thinking about um, when you aren't on the phone call. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and you can do that a number of ways. I have in the past just written out, like, what are some of the common objections that I get? Um, I have them on my call outlines. Just you my, do. My, sort of my three what, big so ones. And what are, yeah, so what are some of your big objection okay, points that, that you we, hear? You, you keep going. I'll pull that up and we can chat about it. Well, I mean, so I don't know if this is necessarily an objection. Um, but one of the things I get a lot is I need to talk to my husband about this before I book the consultation with you. Um, if they're saying that, I haven't done my job of expressing the value to them. Yeah. That's actually, that's the first objection on my list. I did find it having to ask a partner. And then I have a couple of lines. I literally, I have these like in quotation marks because these can kind of start me off. So one thing that I can say is... I can understand running it by your husband, wife, whatever. So let me ask you, do you feel that I'm the right person for this project? Or are there any questions you have that I haven't yet addressed? So you right. just can remind them, or you can straight up ask them if they think you're the right fit. I know that's a bold question to ask. It's That can yeah. be tough to do, but you want to know. Or if right. for some reason, I like to encourage clients to have all decision makers on that consultation call. It does not always happen. So another route I can take is I'd love to schedule another call with all three of us so I can answer any questions that he might have, she might have, whatever that might be. Right. That's so good. Those are two little quickie scripts I have for that one. The other, there's two more objections that come up for me. I want, I'd love to hear yours too, Kate. The, ne the next right. one for me is they undervalue the service slash they say they can't afford it. And so a couple talking points that I have for that would be, first one, let me make sure I'm understanding your needs and I've addressed them all. So that's a great chance to go back through, repeat back to them what they've said to you and right. remind them of the value you're going to bring. Um, I think what you're talking about too, I don't want people, listeners to be confused. These are things that would come up for you either in a phone consultation or could be after you've presented a proposal to them. Yeah, that's um, true too. As well. Yeah, mine are specifically for the initial consultation call, but you're right. These these are not exclusive to early on in the project. Another way to address the issue of I can't afford it or you get the sense that they're you're not communicating your value 
well. Um, sometimes you've recommended a package that's beyond what they what they want or need. And so another way I approach it is, I understand this is an investment. We're committed to a level of service that will knock your socks off and see your space through to full completion down to the last frame being hung on the wall and vase being put on the shelf. We do have other service options that might be a better fit. So let me share another option with you. Meaning if, if you right. propose full service and they're losing their mind, I mean, and this would be, again, maybe past the initial consult call, maybe that's an opportunity to downsell. You've, you've told them about your big package. It's too much for them. You could talk about a consulting only option. You could talk about an e-design. And then the third approach, um, a lot of times they want a more DIY approach. And I mean, we all know guys that DIY doesn't always work out well. People get the info and they don't do anything with it. This isn't always the right approach, but I can, I also remind them, you know, often DIY doesn't get done. You lose momentum. I don't want you to spend or not spend. I don't want you to invest so much of your time and money into this project and not be able to see it through to completion. I want to help you get the results you really want. And here's why I think X package is a great fit for you. So there's a whole bunch of different ways you can approach this when they're not seeing the value or they are, they say they, they say they can't afford it. There's lots of ways to pivot. Write that down. That's great. I love the language that you use in that. It's perfect. This is all, I mean, this is all my call script, my my call outline. And then the, what's the, the third big objection that I come across is, okay, let me think about it. And one way, I mean, I haven't, I have these written verbatim, but I kind of ad lib and modify as I go. But if someone says they have to think about it, my response could be something like, well, isn't that why you called me? That's my job to take the burden off you. I mean, it's easy to think that you can find a pretty room on Pinterest for inspiration and recreate it in your own home. But so many people come to me because they've tried that and it just falls short. Even if you find great ideas, trying to find all the pieces you're looking for and pull it together is exhausting. You know, I want to be on your team. I want to help you. Mm-hmm. And again, you can finesse this in your language, but these are the yeah. three major objections I've come across. You have to ask a partner. They don't, they can't afford it or undervalue it, or they are just unsure for whatever reason. And they tell you they have to mm-hmm. think about it. Are there any big right. ones you come across too? No, those are, those are definitely it. And especially when I'm talking with someone who is a busy professional, which is a large part of my client base, they are busy professionals and they very much value their time. And it's for me, they're (laughs) the easiest to sell to because um, they don't have time to pull it together in the way that they want. And I can just remind them like your time is valuable. You have your zone of genius that you do that you're really good at. This is mine. And I can we make it look easy, yes. <laughs> but, but, um, but yeah, you know, I can see how this could never get done if you didn't have help to, to see it through. And, and that's why I'm here okay. for you. So the other thing is, um, after you've done your consultation in person and then you follow up with a proposal, um, I would recommend that you not just send a proposal, um, PDF, with just the numbers and the scope of service and all of that. I like to do a letter that goes with that. That's not just in the body of the email, but it's actually part of the same PDF. And it's a letter that just recaps things like, you know, thank you for this opportunity. I really enjoyed meeting you and your family. You've got a lovely home. I can't wait to help you take it from, and then you insert their words, their pain points to, and then outline the, features and benefits of your service. So it's just another opportunity to remind them of the benefits of working with you. And that's a missed opportunity that I see a lot. Clients, designers will just send the numbers and be like, here you go. It's going to cost you this much. And you're like, yeah, but let's add a little something to that. Let's add a really beautiful cover letter that thanks them, appreciates them considering you and reminds them these are your pain points. These are your words. This is what I can do to help you. Um, so that's like when I talk about selling being throughout the, the process, this is an example of, you know, missed opportunity. Yeah, that's so good. 
Well, I think I'd love to dive in more in a later episode about selling at the proposal presentation when you've got the furnishings right because i think that's another beast and we are already we, we've been chatting for a long time as we always do I know. let's talk as we finish up today about how to wrap up that consultation call if you don't get a yes on the phone on that call you need a follow-up system you need to this is we where your zone of genius is just I have more scripts because I, I know, I know. <laughs> I well, you guys, scripts and canned emails are great so that you're not rewriting the same thing over and over and over yeah. again. So, take a cue here. This is really important. But yeah, Leslie, I want to hear what your process is for following up with people after you've um, gotten off the phone with them, or or even I, I'm assuming some of this could be after you've sent a proposal. Yeah, usually, I mean, I don't send a proposal for my initial in-person two-hour consultation thing. This would really no, be... No, but after that. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I'll just... Uh, well, this... I'll just let you talk. <laughs> so this follow-up is... I mean, yes, it can be attributed to other things. This that I'm going to talk about, this 30-day follow-up, is specifically for clients who you had a consultation phone call with. And they have not pulled the trigger for one reason or another. They've had to think about it. There's some sort of objection. Something is holding them back from committing to start with you. So I have a 30-day follow-up. It's one, two, three, four, about six, six touch points in that 30 days. Now, I don't reinvent the wheel every time. This is a template I have in Asana. And literally all the notes and details are there. I just assign it to whoever's handling it and put a date on it. And I don't think about it until that day comes. Basically, after the, after the call, you know, you're right about sending a proposal. I do follow up with an email and it's not like a, a written document, but I'll sort of recap the conversation and what I talked about doing. So day one after that, I just send them a quick email, ask if they've had a chance to review the proposal. If you have any questions, boom, short and sweet, just know that you're thinking about them. If I haven't heard anything, day four is when I will start checking them out on social media. You know, if they have a public page, I'm, I'm not always into like friending them. That feels weird. Some people that make sense, but for the most part, I wouldn't do that. But if you can... Oh, I would I would not feel comfortable doing no, that. No, but I mean like, you know, <laughs> if they have an Instagram, follow them on Instagram or find some way to connect with them, comment, like... You know, you're not trying to sell them anything. You're just kind of reminding them that you exist and you care about them and are interested in them. So that's day four. Day 11, I shoot them an email and that's when I share a blog post or something of value to them that relates to our conversation. Or if I happen to be having an event, whether it's something in person, a webinar, a class, I'll send an invite to that. So, hey, you know, I was thinking about you and your struggles with your kitchen I have this great blog post or I found this great blog post about kitchens. I think you'd really enjoy it. Again, not asking for a sale, just it's a touch point. It's reconnecting with them, reminding them that you're there, hopefully triggering them to respond to you. Um, day 18, I get a little bit more bold if I haven't heard anything or if there's been hesitations. Another check-in email and just ask, hey, do you think I'm the right person for the job? You can word that, you can finesse it a little bit. But, and some of these could be phone calls. I like that. I like, I like the, are you, am I the right person for yeah. the job? I think that's good. Because, I mean, you want to know if you're not the right fit, then let's find out now and you can stop following up. And if you are, let's handle any objections to make this happen. Ooh, are you going to talk about the magic email? I'm getting there. That's my favorite. Yay. Do you know about that too? Have, you only for okay. me. It's so good, guys. Wait for it. So day 25, similar to the blog post thing. I saw this and thought of you. It could be a photo, a meme, a video, a blog post, something that just like, again, <laughs> you're just your touch point. Amazing. If this feels forced, you don't have to do it. There's ways to do this that can feel organic and natural. And no one's going to know that you're on a schedule here, guys. This is, you look like a serious boss when you do not drop the ball and you stay top of mind for people. Um, and then, okay, so you've gone 25 days now with maybe no response. And I know that sounds crazy, but I don't know how many times this has happened where I've had someone very interested on the phone and suddenly they totally ghost on you. So this keeps it to about 30 days. Sometimes in there, I'll throw in a quick phone call, just check in. Usually they don't answer and it's a great opportunity for a short and sweet voicemail. 
hey, just checking in, want to know if you have any questions, happy to talk to you, blah, 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 whatever you need to do. Day 30, guys, this is like my secret sauce for getting answers from clients. It is called the magic email. I did not invent this. There is a website we will link. It is called themagicemail.com. General concept is it is a short and sweet email that you send and it almost always triggers a response. I'm telling you, even clients who have been ghosting on me for ages will suddenly respond to this. Here is the whole email. Since I have not heard from you on this, I have to assume your priorities have changed. That's it. It And it works for you, Oh huh? my gosh, I'm telling you. I wouldn't say it's 100% response rate, but probably about 50. And this is clients that, you know, you've spent 30 days trying to follow up on. I have found sometimes it has finally brought me the official no that's going to save me time and energy following up. And that's okay. If they're not your client, they're not your client. Or it often spurs people into action because they go, oh, crud, like she's busy. She's serious. She's not going to wait around for me. I need to get my butt in gear and get things together. So I will admit I finesse the email slightly. I think that's a little aggressive and I just don't feel like it's, it feels like, sure. it doesn't feel like my tone. But No, I know, but it's a good start. The concept is there. It's not apologizing. It's not asking questions. It's just saying, hey, I haven't heard from you. I have to assume your priorities have changed. And then I add, if we can be of assistance in the future, please don't hesitate to reach out again. Basically keeping the door open, but saying, I'm done with you for now. I'm not spending any more time following up if you're not ready. But if you want to, you know where to find me. And that has helped close a lot of sales or close the door, which is just as good because you do not want to be wasting time. But with sales, until it's a no, don't give up. That's what I've learned. I know that there's some different philosophies on this. And I think this is another example of how you and I both, I think we do what we do really well, but still do it very differently. Um, I like this. I think it's very intentional. I think you have a wider guardrail than I do, Um, which is fine. That's, there's no right or wrong way. I'm just pointing out that, you know, for people who are listening, like maybe her guardrail is wider than yours and that's okay. Um, but the point here is that a lot of times people just get really busy, you know, they get busy with their work and life and kids and they are just thankful for you reminding them and thinking about them. And so many times I've had clients say like, Oh, thank you so much. I've been wanting to email you and I just haven't made the time to do it, but I'm really ready to get started Bingo. with this. And, and that magic email kind of just nudges yeah. them. I do things so slightly different with my email follow-ups, um, but um, not too entirely different. I mean, my very first one is always a couple of days afterwards and just said, you know, hey, have you had a chance to review everything? I, I'd love to know what questions you might have that I can answer for you. Like you said, short and yep. sweet. Um Part of me feels like um, if I haven't heard back from them, I mean, so I, I'll do another follow-up if I haven't heard from them, um, but my follow-up is a little shorter. Um, I, here's the one thing is, is I've had, well, I can think of one for sure, maybe two clients where they were so hard to get started working with that I just told myself, like, look, if you're not super pumped and jazzed and excited to start working with me and for us to help you, like, if there's so much resistance right here at the very beginning, it almost is a red flag for me. And I will say, like, you know, I don't, I don't know if this is the right fit after all. Um, I want people to be pumped and excited to work with me and have, like, no hesitations. And if it's a financial thing, then I get that and I need to either make sure that I'm expressing the value properly or give them options for tiering. Maybe I, I went too high. Maybe I offered everything under the sun to them, but they just need the design. And so being able to scale that back and into a plate, get them into a service that is a better fit for them. Um, but I 
totally see this value in follow-up in the way this is. Well, on the flip side. Giving them ample opportunity to think about what's what they're signing you up You make for. a great it's point, a long though, about wanting people to be enthused about working with you. And I know I said a couple minutes ago, you know, don't give up until it's a no. Guys, there's a time where you can just tell, like, you're trying to strong arm them and they're over it. And I'm telling you, there is nothing more satisfying than checking that person off your follow-up list and just being like, bye. So <laughs> you're right. There is, follow-up is essential, but you kind of got to know when to fold them too. You can read the yes. person. You know, if they're excited, may, and a, a lot of times summer is hard for people. So I've I've worked with people who are super excited to work together, but they reach out to me in the springtime and then they get busy and they're traveling for the summer with their family. And I just know that that stuff's going on. I see them on Instagram. I see them at the beach. I'm not going to be banging on their doors um, while, while they're there. I know what's going on. So read your potential clients and figure out, you know, if that's really what's going on or if they just totally ghosted on you, like don't just spare yourself. Like they need to be <laughs> pumped to work with you. Yeah. So I, I, I wanted to say that because I didn't, I wanted people listening to not misjudge what you were saying here. This is this follow-up series. Um, you may decide that this follow-up series isn't worth the effort if you can tell that this is somebody who just doesn't doesn't share the value. You're totally you. right. I will tell you, I don't know if I've told you guys this. My father-in-law, bless his heart, he has said multiple times to my husband, he's like, I just don't understand how people pay her money to do what she does <laughs> Like Burn. clearly not, clearly not my client. He just doesn't get it, you know. And so, if I mean, he has whatever. I'm, I don't need to like defend myself to him. It's it's laughable, but um, there are some people out there. There might be a couple, a partner where um, one person totally gets the value and understands and sees it and understands it. I've had these clients, and there's somebody on the other side that's just like. Oh, we could totally do this ourselves. And, and so you may have some of that going on behind the scenes. And, and so this follow-up is, is really important. Yeah. I think that's a great, great um, place to wrap up. We were going to chat a little bit about email marketing, but I think that's going to be a whole other topic to dive sure. into in terms of how that works with selling. So yeah. Can we, can I just, well, I want to wrap up on, I always do this at the end. I'm like, but wait, no, girl, it's been almost <laughs> an wait. hour. I gotta go have a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> it's dessert. We got a little dessert for you. All right. No, I just want to say like this, that once you get the job, the sales doesn't stop there. You've still got a design presentation to give. And at that design presentation, you need to have your sales hat on in an authentic way. And that makes sense. But you need to be able to have a value proposition ready and prepared for all of the things that you're getting ready to ask them to buy, you know, propose that they buy. So keep that in mind. Um, you're never not selling. Um, and selling is, selling is human. I think that's a book that I read. I don't look it up. I'm no, I'm sure it is. I'm gonna look at, it's to sell is human. Yeah. And it's, I think it's pink uh, to sell is human, human. Yeah, Daniel Pink. Oh, I thought you meant the book was pink. I'm like, that's very specific and very strange no, 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 to be no. telling us about the, the I was like, color of it. Earlier when we were Daniel jamming Pink, out, yeah. I was like, what are some of the books that I've read that um, are in the in this topic? And I am I was almost forgetting this one. It's huge. It's called To Sell is Human. It's Daniel Pink. Read all of his books, but definitely read this one. So that's it. You can go eat lunch now. Yay! Awesome. <laughs> all right. So let's bring this home with kind of a couple big key takeaways. I think the big one for me with selling without the sleaze is your client's money story is none of your business and your money story is not your client's story. You cannot get caught up in the weeds of trying to decide if they can afford you or not. Your rates mm -hmm. are your rates. Your packages are your packages. They will decide mm -hmm. if the value is there for them. Your job is to teach them and Educate them about what the value is, mm -hmm. but their money story is none of your business. Do not, you're not lowering your rates to try to make a sale. No. And if they ask you to, that's a red flag. Ding. Okay. Selling. Selling is helping. I like that. Bottom Sharing line. Sharing is caring. Sell selling is helping. Selling is helping. Bottom line. You're not you're forcing You're helping them. Yep. Yeah. You have, you're just telling them what it is that you do and what it, what the investment is. That's all you're it is. You're a good helper, Kate. And you're, 
you're really good at what you do, people, and you need to get really excited about going out there and helping all the people that get and value what it is you yeah. do. So, All right, guys. And remember to download your free mini business toolkit. We've got that for you on the website at designersgettingcoffee.com. You're going to be able to grab our install day box checklist, a handy reference guide with typical design project hours, our favorite design and business tools we use, and more. Totally free because we love you and we want to help you be the best designers you can. So grab yours at designersgettingcoffee.com. Any final thoughts before I go eat that sandwich I keep talking about? No, but now you made me hungry and our house is freshly clean and I don't want to go do anything to touch it. (laughs) I want it to be clean for 24 hours. (laughs) So I might, so I might go have myself a solo lunch out somewhere. That sounds blissful. I would love to join you, but I'm in the wrong state. I was just thinking, oh, we can go get pizza. I'm like, no, we can. I don't live there anymore. That's totally what we used to do. Pizza and frosé. Slice and a frosé. Well, friends, if you have a designer bestie near you, go take them to lunch today because I don't get too weekend anymore, but I'll go eat my sandwich alone in my kitchen. (laughs) Have a good week, guys. We'll catch you next Friday. Bye. Hey, designer. Thanks for sharing part of your day with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes so we can continue to connect with badass design bosses like you. We love to hear your feedback. For more Designers Getting Coffee and to join the conversation, head over to designersgettingcoffee.com for show notes, free downloads, and more. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at designersgettingcoffee.